This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 250. What? How did that happen? I don't know, but here we are, and two nights, I put this episode up for a vote. What holiday movie am I going to cover And the response was not just overwhelming, it was unanimous. So you all better get ready. Because while the whole world is celebrating, tonight it's the final romance. Because we're covering 1984's Night of the Comet! And I'm going to be joined by superstar returning guests, Elena Acker and Christopher Grunlin, you know, from uh, uh, Not About Lumberjacks. And we're going to have a super duper good time. Yes, sirree, Bob. So, if you're new to the show, please... Allow me to take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. And twice a month, every month, I am your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But there is a catch. You have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. What does that mean? I don't know. Do you know what it means? Well, you're gonna just sit back and listen. You'll figure it out. So... What's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Well, let's get it out of the way. Da da da, smoochy watch, yada da da da. What's going on with that cat? Well, Miss Thing has been putting me through the ringer again because Miss Thing can't poop. Yeah, she's losing weight, but as a result, she's all constipated, and I thought I was going to have to take her to a vet because she didn't poop for three days, and then she didn't pee, but everything's fine. Okay, you know, just God forbid we have a quiet day with Smoochy. Isn't that right, baby girl? Yeah, she's right here. She's right. It's weird. The more weight she loses, the more affectionate she gets. And I'm not sure if that's just deployed. Get me to give her more food or not. Because if there's one thing cats are really good at, it's manipulation. Emotional manipulation. Isn't that right, my little baby? Isn't that... And she bit me. Okay, see, this is, see, this is, this, this is how it goes with her. Uh, what's been going on? Not a lot. It's been quiet, except for the fact that half my neighborhood burned down the other night. I was very excited a couple of months ago. I meant to, a couple of weeks ago, rather. I meant to talk about this on the last episode, was that I was walking down Queens Boulevard by my house, and there's an old Radio Shack there. Remember Radio Shack went out of business, and I saw lights were on. I said, that's weird. Is Radio Shack open again? Except in the window were all sex toys and lingerie, but the radio sign, Radio Shack sign was still up. So I said, okay, Radio Brand is selling dildos and teddies. Now, that's a really radical rebranding of your company policy, but I approve. But no, no, no. no, no. It was now the Romantic Depot. But some of you may know it exploded the other night and burned down half my neighborhood in the process. I'm fine. The cat's fine. All the Scream Queens guest hosts that live in the neighborhood, they're fine. Elena Acker was fine. Jason Pintar are fine. They're all good. But it's it's pretty grim. It's pretty crazy. It was just nuts. And Smoochie tried to tell me. I remember she was de- she was she freaked out that night. She woke me up, but she was trying to. Tr- 
She's running back and forth between me and the window, and I just thought Big Fat Pitching and showed up again. But no, 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 no. Sunnyside was on fire. City on fire. Cat's freaking out. Big Fat Pigeon is yelling at the moon. It's the end of the world. Yes, yeah, City on fire. Okay, that's our show tune quote for the day, and we're done. We're done with that. And, um, the other thing, of, oh, I got to go to the theater. I went to go see, I went to see Head Over Heels on Broadway. Head Over Heels is the Go-Go's musical, which was better than it sounds like. The story was cute. Super LGBT positive. It was kind of like a beach party without the beach. It was fun. It was light. It was fluffy. But it also reminded me how badass the Go-Go's were. Yeah, you know your top 40 Go-Go's hits, but their other stuff, particularly their older stuff, was grungy and angry and punks. They they started with punk. Then they were great. And they used a lot of that stuff. So it's closing here soon. But if it's coming on tour by you, check it out. Check it out. You'll feel good about yourself. It's just a nice, fun, fluffy little show. Normally, I don't care for jukebox shows, but they went such deep cuts with the music that they chose, and the the story was so far removed from what you'd expect from a show about the Go-Go's that I forgot it was about the Go-Go's, but it's cute. It's cute. And hooray, hooray for gay people, hooray girl power, and hooray for punk jigs. The other thing that happened was that Bradford mentioned to me at a certain point that he had never seen the Rockettes, that he's lived here for 20 years, but he's never seen the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular, or what they really should call it if you want to talk about rebranding. They should call it the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular, but they don't because I'd sue them. So I found some cheap tickets, and I took them for his Christmas present. And I haven't seen the show probably since I was 12, and this show has not changed in decades. It's the exact same goddamn whitey, whitey, white, white, white people show. At a certain point, I'm like, oh my god, what time does this cruise ship dock because I want to get off the boat? And you would think after all these years of doing this show, they might at least acknowledge that there are other holidays going on at this time. You know, that other religions and other cultures that are becoming more and more prevalent in the United States are celebrating things. Nope, it's just all Christmas down your throat all the time. It's cute. The Rockettes are great. I mean, they're, they're, when, what it really boils down to is you get to see the Rockettes perform, and they are brilliant. And, of course, the thing that happened afterwards was even better is that we're walking through Times Square because the subways were fucked up because that's how it is these days, and we're walking through Times Square, and some woman that we were passing just randomly ripped out a handful of her extensions and threw them into Bradford's face, and most of them went down his mouth. And as horrific as it sounded, it didn't stop me from making fun of him for the rest of the trip. <laughs> like, they're probably taking root inside your throat right now, Bradford. They're gonna, they're probably like that zombie virus that, you know, the same thing like those ants do, or whatever it is, those carbon, the ants, the, the all of a sudden are controlling the Beatles' brains, you know, because it's the same thing. You're going to have hair extensions burrowing into your brain, Bradford. Not that they'll have much to eat. All right. I don't think there's much else to talk about, so why don't we get down to business because I got guests waiting, and I am super excited to tell you all about my history with Night of the Comet. There's a little gay tidbit that I've never shared on here that ties directly in with this movie, part of my growing up process, my process from becoming a scared gay little boy, one of my first steps into becoming the strong, brave, gay adult man you hear before you now, you know, the one that was just making fun of somebody for having hair extensions growing through to their brain, that guy. Before we get going, I would also like to point out that, yeah, you guys voted this movie in unanimously, and that's cool, but today... 
based on a post that Catherine Mary Stewart, star of this movie, put out herself, that today, December 14th, is the day that the comet arrived in the movie. At a certain point, one of the radio people say that it's, you know, it's 11 more shopping days till Christmas. But since the radio station was playing, I, I don't know, they did a whole bunch of math and they figured out that it was coming on December 14th, which is today, the day I'm releasing this. Also, tonight, in real time, we are not only going to be visited by the Christmas Comet making its annual visit. I forget what that's called, that damn comet that comes around once a year. Uh, comet 46P Wintanen, sure, why not? But also, there's the meteor shower, the um, Gemini music meteor shower starts tonight. So, we are all going to die. But at least you're going to die Having heard me talk about Night of the Comet, which clearly you all wanted to, you're all getting your final wish. Let's all celebrate by listening to the trailer. See you all on the other side. When I say the other side, I really mean the other side. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What are you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The burden of civilization is on us. Ipsen, isn't it? So normally when the holiday season rolls around, you guys know... I avoid talking about the holiday horror movies because at this time of year, everybody's talking about them. Everyone's going to be talking about the same damn movies at the same damn time. And I don't want to be like everybody else, but I don't know. Something came over me, call it the spirit of the season, but I left it up to you. I gave you a whole bunch of holiday horror movies and had you pick which one it was going to be. And the winner was not only a landslide, it was unanimous. Every single one of you who voted, voted for the movie that we're going to talk about. And I'm really happy you did. Because this little feature has a very special place in my heart and a very special story, which I don't tell very often, but I'll be telling it tonight. And whenever I have big reveals, what's the point of doing them alone? So I have brought back not one, but two superstar return guests. One is a world-famous actress who is an now also like a crazy AI voice that might be becoming human by any, second by second. And the other, well, he's got a beard on his face and he doesn't like lumberjacks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Elena Acker and Christopher Groban. to be back. Hi, welcome back, everybody. Yay! Yay! Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Yeah, so how have you guys been? It's been a very long, well, we got Christopher, it was like, seems like five minutes ago, but Elena, you haven't been here in ages. What have you been up to? Most recently, I helped Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez get elected, so that was a pretty big deal. All right. Yeah, I would not have known about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had it not been 
for Elena and yep. her, her grassroots campaigning. Yeah, yeah. That, it was, that girl is tearing up business, and I love every second of it. She is, yeah. It's every everything she does, I'm like, yes! And I, I just love that um, even after being elected, she has just like stayed the same person that she always was. Um, but yeah, I was someone who was out there like last March getting signatures on petitions for her and mm -hmm. um, helping coordinate volunteers doing door knocking in our neighborhood. People might not know, but uh, Patrick and I live in the same neighborhood. Yeah, but she lives on the nice side of the boulevard. I live on the fancy side. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, and they're probably wondering, what, what does that mean? Elena is the voice of an AI possibly becoming sentient? I, I don't think there'll be, be any um, sentience happening anytime soon, but um, I... That's exactly what a sentient AI would say, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely not living in a computer simulation. It's totally <laughs> not what's going on. Um, no, I just did some explainer videos for Einstein, which is um, a type of AI financial software. So um, that was super fun. My first Ooh. foray into the world of voiceover. Yes, nice. And speaking of voiceover, hi, Christopher Gromlin. How are you? I am doing well. Like I said, it's great to be back, uh, even though we recorded last August, but that was for the run-up of Oh, my the God. We, re we really did record that in August. It feels I, like I know. It seems like it just yesterday. yesterday. Uh, Christopher was part of the 21-show potathon marathon thing that I did in October, and I started recording them a million years in advance. So anyway, how are things over in the land of no lumberjacks? The land of no lumberjacks, it's doing well. It's I did my first audio drama recently, just a one-shot thing, and Michael Howie, who was also on the episode with me for wow. Dave Made a Maze, mm -hmm. he played my older brother on it. So that was kind of fun to bring him back in again. And I have stuff lined up for that. And aside from that, I'm just wrapping up a novel and just trying to survive life in Texas. Did you hear that, Elena? Just wrapping up a novel, like something you do every you day. You know, just putting the last couple of letters on the page like you do. Yeah, yeah. Loaf, of, loaf of bread quart of milk, stick novel. butter, novel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I didn't get to say it seven years ago, so now I can just be like, yeah, you know, wrapping up a novel, it's, it's nothing. It's just been like seven years and all that stuff, so no, things are going well. Good for you, good for you. Now, I forgot to mention that Christopher is the host of the Not About Lumberjacks podcast. Now, Elena, I mentioned to you off the air that we'd come back to this. Christopher writes short stories which then he reads or has other people read on the air. And what's the promise, Christopher? The promise is I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. So the first time I listened to the show, I'm going, okay, so this is a story. It's taking place at a lumber camp. <laughs> and yeah. I'm filled with lumberjacks. And I'm like, this is amazing. So, Because it technically wasn't about the lumberjacks. It was about the cook. At the lumber camp, I said, you are working on so many levels. Oh, my God. It's about lumberjacks, but it's not. But it and is, this, but it's not. And the one I just did with Michael Howie, we play a tag team wrestling duo called the Flying Lumberjacks. So uh, see, uh, I, stopped, I stopped listening after tag team. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Howie tag team. Oh, God. That's a lot of beer for a tag team. So, okay. Yeah. So the movie which I also neglected to mention, that overwhelmingly swept the boats. I unanimously swept the boats. 
for the holiday episode is the 1984 sci-fi horror comedy, Night of the Comet. So, Elena. Yes. You've been here before. I and sure Christopher, have. you've been here before. But the thing is, Elena, you've played my game before that I'm about right. to enforce. Right? You've played it before. But when Christopher was here, Michael Howie hogged all the attention. So, Christopher, I'm going to ask you to give me a nice, tight, 30-second elevator speech back of the DVD box cover description of the very basic plot of Night of the Comet. The clock starts now! Okay, we are in L.A. The year is 1984. Teenagers are hanging out in a movie theater. And it just so happens that an elliptical comet is coming back to Earth. And when it comes back to Earth, everybody outside watching gets fried. So it's kind of like the rapture, but the people who survive, of course, their teenagers and some other people, are now left in a world of zombies because some of the people don't totally burn. And... Nicely done. Boom. Hey, that Nicely was cool. done. That's how you do it. And you didn't read off IMDb like a certain Michael Howie did. No, I did not. No, you didn't. He's a big cheater. Big bearded big cheater, cheater. Son of a head. bitch. Okay. So I adore this little movie for a lot of reasons. I saw it when it came out. And I was very excited to see it. A, I had read all about it in Fangoria Magazine. But this was one of the first movies to get released with a PG-13 rating. Ooh. That shocked me. What tingly excitement that was. There were two movies that came out that weekend. That for, when they first enforced it, it was that and Beat Street. <laughs> now I'm, I'm sort of like um, searching my mind to think like, what about that movie warranted PG-13? I mean, I guess, I guess there's some goriness. Some swearing here and there, but not too much. Oh, yeah, there's some good swearing. Yes. There's some good swearing. You can see Kelly Maroney's nipples through her bra. I don't know if that counts. I... <laughs> Well, if gremlins, if gremlins scared people too badly, I mean, I think they might have been jumping the gun. But anyway, it, was, it felt dirty at the time. I'm like, I'm going to a PG-13 movie, and I'm 14. Ooh, you just <laughs> so made the cutoff. Grown up and adult. Uh, yeah, so uh, this cast is great. I love everybody in this. Catherine Mary Stewart is like a Canadian goddess. Mm-hmm. of movies. What I love about her, like she works constantly. She was in soap opera. She, she's in every Hallmark channel christmas movie (laughs) and what and she did tons and tons of ridiculous stuff back in the 80s but she always has this air of gravitas to her which i admire Mm -hmm. like she i mean this is a fun movie but you i hope you agree but (laughs) oh yeah i would oh absolutely and she's a total badass she's a total badass in this movie Uh uh-huh uh we're gonna come back to that too but no she's done some other real stinkers but she plays it all like it's the most important job she's ever had. And I, I love to see that. She's never slacking and, I, and always looks fabulous. And she's got that 80s hair going, totally. I took so many notes in the first 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> so did My I. first note of the movie is Argyle in heels. Yes, the Argyle in heels. I mean, she's just... wearing Argyle socks and heels. That is the most yeah. 80s thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Her uh, outfits. There's some. There's some pretty great boots that she's wearing. Oh, those elf boots! Movies. I wrote that down too. I was yeah. like, elf boots! Exclamation point! I'd forgotten about the glory of elf boots. And then, of course, leg warmers kind of like push down over them, and yeah, mm-hmm. all it, it, great fashion in this. Uh, and her sister is played by the fabulous Kelly Maroney as well, who is another horror movie staple, who is beloved, and this is her best fucking work. 
Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Chopping mall. <laughs> Chopping mall, she doesn't have much to do. I know. I know. I just. I mean, I mean, she's the star of it, but it's, she's just the ingenue. No, she's much better in this. She's got, I, mean, this... I like watching it because I just watched Chopping Mall the other day. And that character, it's really bland. She's the heroine. Blandy, bland, yes. bland, bland, bland. The only, the only thing outstanding about her is her camel toe, but we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll deal with it now. Elena, yes. the entire movie of Chopping Mall. Mm-hmm. She's in these tight beige jeans and it's all camel toe all the time and nobody told her and she didn't know until she was at the premiere <laughs> oh that's terrible i and mean at like, least they picked like the right camel color for that camel yes. like, <laughs> beige is correct oh yeah you don't want an off color <laughs> <laughs> it should be the color of an actual camel uh-huh because then it gets that whole thing do you wear thing. do you wear white on your camel toe after labor day what happens i don't know i don't know right. I can tell. it's it's crazy but I, I realized in this one, I'm like, there's no chance of camel toe in this movie. Nope, she's in that cheerleader skirt. The entire yes. time. Pretty much well, the whole time. Except for that first scene where, like, I, I love that moment. She's wearing her, it's like a dance outfit, or maybe it's not because it's the 80s. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know what she's wearing. It's a lounging around the house outfit. But yeah, she's like on the couch, and then she just, like, kicks her foot up into the air. <laughs> like, <laughs> like stand up it's very yeah yeah it's like an aerobicized costume you know it's just that's mm-hmm. what we wore in the 80s I uh-huh guess. uh-huh it's very true and the reason i one of the things that a lot of modern viewers might not get if you're watching it for the first time now is that this movie broke a lot of rules of how women are supposed to behave definitely in this kind oh, of movie yeah. like you sure we've had ripley you know sigourney weaver from aliens we've had her you know, we, at least Alien has been out. So we've seen that, you know, women can be tough and this sort of thing. But she was tough that whole movie. But these girls are this wonderful dichotomy of, like, completely goofy, doofy valley girl teenagers who can also kick ass. Yeah. Thank goodness for that military father who uh, taught them everything they know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was watching it now this time, too, because, you know, in, since the rise of, you know, 45, many people have been going for self-defense classes and all of the moves that she uh, like particularly Catherine mary stewart like when she's first attacked by one of these zombie creatures all of the moves that she uses are basic self-defense moves she's not doing anything fancy these are all realistic things well until like the guns come out but yeah whatever anyway that i just it was cool that this heroine didn't have to resort to karate or anything like that she basically you know did the simple hand palm to the nose and then pull the lever into his ribs these are self-defense moves that anybody can do and you don't normally see them in the movies but they save lives in real life and anyway i'm babbling i remember at the time when because she's cornered in an alley by a zombie thing and she says i really don't want to hurt you uh just say no i'm trying to defend myself and you're thinking bullshit 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 that's exactly what a girl would say in the situation but no and then she does kick his ass What is this trick-or-treat? Come here. What? Come here. Come here, your ass. Uh, look. I don't know what your scene is, but don't do anything stupid, okay? No, you don't seem to understand. I've been trained to take care of myself, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to hurt you. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. I have to ask a very important question to both of you before we go any further. Have either of you ever owned Feely Boppers? Oh, my God. Well, see, I call them Deedly Boppers. Maybe okay. that's a Midwestern thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I certainly owned them um, as a child, but I don't know if I owned the top of the line ones. Oh. <laughs> like they're selling in the opening scene of this movie, you know, the $9 ones. The $9.50 one, which, by the way, in 2018, currency is $4,000 at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. That scene is great. Just them going through and it's like, this is 9.50, this is 8, this is 7, you know? And it's like, that's what you would wear to watch a comet that came around. And that's exactly what you would sell too. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what people would buy. Anyway, so Elena, what exactly is going like in the first, like, what do we find out in the beginning? Like, what's everybody so excited about? What's this comet business? Well, the comet has like never come around before, right? It's in such a big ellipsis that... It hasn't come around since like the beginning of humanity. So it's the first time that it's ever coming. People want to go out and watch it. And then we've got Regina, who we learn is um, psychotically competitive. Um, yes. <laughs> because she, she has to hold every single place on the uh, arcade game that she's playing. Somebody else got sixth place and she like, Fucking DMK, man. I was going to say DMK. Down with DMK. Hey, Regina. Regina, give that thing a rest, will you? In a minute, Mel. Look, I don't pay you to do that kind of stuff around here. Regina, I want you to clean everything up so we can get out of here. Time to watch the comment. Everything's cleaned up. Damn! I want you to take this flashlight and walk the house. Oh, Mel, they throw things at me. Who cares? Walk the house. Have you ever been hit with dots, Mel? Milk duds? Those things hurt. I, 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 I don't want those weirdos cutting up the seats, you understand? Okay, okay, okay. Placing Reg in third place. Yes. Reg, third place. Wait a minute. Somebody named DMK in sixth place? When did this happen? Look, don't be an overachiever. You'll fit in better with your age group, okay? Chris- oh my God, wait a second. Is DMK the guy who comes back at the end? Danny Mason I, Keener? I totally just got that. <laughs> <laughs> I sat there the whole time, and when I heard that car, I was like, this better be DMK, or I'm going to be so pissed off, because it's like, they do a good job coming back and, you know, as good as you can do in a B-movie, wrapping up things. And I'm like, come on, this was set up so early. We have to know who DMK is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do feel like there's one other, like, kind of weird loose end that never gets wrapped up. But, which is? Which is, like, what is the deal with Willie? Like, where did Willie come from? Who is Willie? Why is this terrible, evil zombie guy named Willie? And what happens to him? He's the the guy in the mall. He's like the incel with the smoking coat. super evil. We took over the mall. Like, we used to be stock boys, and now we're... And I'm just like, what? Uh Uh-huh. 
I love, I love that. Well, the thing is, well, okay, we've gotten ahead of ourselves, but we have. Yeah. So this comment yeah. is coming on, and it's Christmas time, which is why this qualifies as a holiday movie. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> plays no part in it after the first twenty minutes. Oh, I would say it does play a part in it, though, because um, Hector Santa Claus does. I was going to say Hector is Santa Claus. You're right. You're right. Hector is so many people in this movie. He's a cowboy. He's everything. <laughs> The cowboy disguise is my favorite thing. The if cowboy I, disguise that he didn't need. We'll come back to that. <laughs> if I ever need a disguise, I'm just going to be myself as a cowboy. Okay, and good. Good to know. Good to know. With a guitar, I hope. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you can't be a cowboy without an instrument. And my instrument of choice <laughs> is the guitar. Oh, yeah. So the thing that Elena got right but didn't really phrase the way they did in the movie is that this comet hasn't been seen in like 65 million years pretty much since the time the dinosaurs disappeared but nobody seems to pick up on that yeah so it's a whole thing you spend the first 20 minutes of the movie setting up all these relationships and plot lines that ultimately don't go anywhere because everybody else in the world dies (laughs) and for a movie with a body count of how many billion people it's a lot of fun (laughs) Really is. The entire world is dead, but I'm having a great time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, the people who stayed alive are entertaining people for sure. When the apocalypse comes, you know, at least leave interesting people. I take the boring people. Yeah, hopefully that means we get to stay alive. I yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, she's she's incredibly competitive about the video game, which is exactly how things were back in the day. What the hell was the name of that game? Tempest. Tempest, thank you. I sucked at it, but... And this was horrible. My, I, I was pretty decent at video games. My sister sucked. She ruled at Tempest. And I mean, up until pretty much the day she died, she made sure that I remembered that, uh, that okay. I never won Tempest. I'm she sorry. Was... Were, were, were you triggered by the movie? No, I was not triggered by the okay, movie. <laughs> Nothing triggers me. I mean, I... No, I'm just... Those video game scars can run deep. Yes. No. I, ha- I have a big grudge against Frogger, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> there were too many ways to die it was impossible <laughs> yeah i wasn't allowed a video game system as a child so oh, okay. very left out and i'm terrible at video games to this day because of it so i'm uh, terrible parents, too oh i was gonna say parents let your children play video games but clearly that didn't work out for you christopher no it, it did not i i really don't play anymore and like, I actually gave one of my systems to my mom. She got really good at Frogger, but she would get stoned. <laughs> like, she'd come home from work. Oh, that's what I didn't think of when I was 11. She'd come <laughs> home from work, she'd get stoned, and she'd play Frogger. And it was like, and now all my friends who still get stoned and play video games get stoned. So it's like, my mom was cutting edge back in the 80s. Uh, it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, she came up with the whole idea. No, because you, you, you get super focused, you don't tense up. Anyway, the Scream Queens podcast does not advocate illicit drug use. No. But it is legal in several states. So. But not here, so <laughs> not everywhere. If so you live in one of those states, give it a shot. Yeah, go on, go on. Please get back to us. We can find we can, <laughs> Yes, please. We can get funding for, like a, for a scientific study right do now. Do some science, people, but only legal science. So, yeah, so Regina is an usher in a movie theater. And I have to say, having worked in a movie theater and been hit with candy... Dots hurt way more than milk does. I was wondering. Yeah, I've never been hit in the face with a dot. Or which milk dot. which one tears your teeth out? 
milk duds. Obviously. I was going to say the dots rips out my feelings <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I was going to say they're both pretty bad. Milk duds, you just can't chew. They just get stuck to your tooth and that is become true. part of you. Oh, you know why? You know why? Because I'm thinking of Whoppers. Yeah. Mm. Totally different candy. Never mind. Never Those mind. Would hurt. <laughs> but then again, I was thinking of it now. I'm like, can you imagine people throwing candy in a movie theater now that's like throwing gold? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. These dots Why cost... would you waste your candy? This box of dots costs $50. <laughs> Each dot is a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, her sister, Samantha, is at home. Their stepmother is having a comet party. Their stepmother is, of course, evil. So evil. Here's another very important question. In the heat of your teenage hormonal emotional surges that we all had, you know, when we're all absolutely psychotic and anything could happen at any time, anybody ever slap their mother in the face? Definitely not. No. I mean, my mom was always stoned and laid back, but my sister did. So there you go. Okay. They, they got into it once. So. Okay. Okay. Good. So, okay, good. So I'm not the only bad one. I did slap my mother in the face once. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> no, I would never have thought to slap my not e- none of my family. I was, my mom was just too nice. Like she definitely embarrassed me, but I I don't know. Yeah. I, it didn't drive me to slap her. I just wanted to like hide and pretend I wasn't related to her. Uh-huh. I love uh-huh. you, mom. If you're listening. Well, yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But you see what happens, though. You know. Doris punched Samantha yeah. in the right face well, First of all, Doris was a stepmother. And secondly, uh, I mean, ugh. And, they're, and therefore, by Disney rule, evil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So evil. Yeah. So yeah. mean. And, then, and, and she elicited my favorite line in the entire movie, I think. Which was? Which was, you were born with an asshole, Doris. You don't need Chuck. <laughs> There's a zinger. Chuck's a nice guy. He's certainly nice to be with while daddy's down in banana land. You were born with an asshole, Doris. You don't need Chuck. Because <laughs> Doris is diddling the guy across the street while yes. daddy's off at war. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody knows it, and the girls know it, and everybody hates her. Yes. Yeah, so by weird coincidence, both the girls wind up spending the night not watching the comet. And inside a steel room. Something steel, yeah, yeah. And that is the key. That's the thing that's going to protect you from the comet. So when they wake up the next morning, everybody dead. Yeah. yeah. What I love about this movie, too, is that it walks the balance. Like, it's a comedy, yes, but it's not har-har funny. Yeah. And they have great moments of weight in it. Like, I find the scene, like, when you're finding out what happened, when you're, when you're first seeing the world after everything has gone to hell – and all those automatic thi- automatic things are just starting on their own, but there's no people. I find that so chilling. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that many was... people don't get it. They're like, what's going on? Why are they showing this? Like, there's no people, but this shit's going to just go on until it goes on for no yeah, reason. Yeah, that clown, like. Oh, God. That thing just moving on its own was chilling. Clown and... automaton. I w- what was it for? Like a car dealership? Or yeah. car dealership. Just think nowadays it would be one of those wacky wavy arm things which would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, but I feel like the clown beats the wacky wavy arm thing. Everybody's dead, but that thing is so funny. I feel bad. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what got me because when the comet's coming and everybody's watching, I'm like, okay, we're going to see all these melting, you know, bodies and all that. And it's like, okay, apparently they didn't have the budget. And then it suddenly, it genuinely creeped me out how desolate, like 28 days later creepy where it's like, there's nothing. It's like the rapture happened. And like we just said, there are those certain things that just everything from traffic lights to radio, you know, there's like a radio that's tape record, you know, recorded. And that, that clown thing was just like, that's chilling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And since you brought it up, Christopher, do you want to guess what the budget for this movie was? Well, I actually know that it was okay. what, four million, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -mm. No, mm -mm. that was including advertising. Oh, okay. Seven hundred thousand dollars. Seriously? Yeah, wow. Did this for under a million dollars. I have even more respect. Like it. Yeah. How did they? How did they pay for all that neon in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> the radio station i don't know oh we're gonna get back to the radio station i got a lot to say about the radio station but the fact that they were able to clear out los angeles yes like a yeah. ghost town. since you brought up 20 days 28 days later christopher it looks like they did that but they didn't i watched the extras most of it's cgi they cgi'd everybody out yeah see that was the thing that i that struck me was you know, at first you think, oh, okay, and then you forget. It's like, no, they would have actually had to, like, be out there at, like, six in the morning clearing people out, and it was just so desolate and chilling. Whereas, yeah, now it's just, okay, just get rid of the people. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think they did a great job with a very, 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 very small budget. I'm shocked wow. at that number. Yeah, and yeah. I bet it's wrong. I bet it's wrong. I bet whatever I read it in is wrong, but I'm going to stick with it for now and fix it in post if I have to. But whatever. It was a small budget thing. I think it looks great. It I remember does. like being initially bummed that you don't really see the comet. Mm. I mean, yeah. you get some like you get some disco LSD stuff for about three seconds and then that's it. But who you don't need it. Yeah, it worked that way. You know, once I saw how desolate it was, I thought, okay, that's actually better. Because, I mean, if we if they had shown the comet, we could have turned to Red Dust 2 right now just watching the movie. Which would have been so terrible. That would have been awful. Like The Ring, you know. <laughs> yeah, this uh, podcast would suck. It would be like, well, <laughs> we'd be like, well that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, I mean, also, I think it, it's a good choice. I mean, probably made for budgetary reasons. But I find, like, very often when you show like the scary thing it like takes away all its power you know yeah. like there there are a lot of movies i've watched where i'm like terrified of like whatever is haunting the people and then i finally see it and i'm like oh it's just that like yes so, and, so i'm all for like the mystery and also like particularly for a movie like this from when it was made had they shown it it probably by now would be laughable totally yeah with 80 special effects might have been brilliant for 1984 Right. But now it'd be like, oh, no. But this kind of de-ages it a bit. Yeah, it helps them nice. hold up. The other thing that really struck me this time around, and this is like boring, acty, technical stuff, is that, and directy stuff, is that this movie does a really good job in certain scenes of showing you what's going on without telling you. And I'm thinking particularly of the scene where after, you know, okay, Regina spends the night at the movie theater in a projection booth. 
with her boyfriend, uh, who then, you know, he goes outside and gets killed by one of these zombie things, leaving her inside. And she goes out and she gets attacked by one, but gets, gets away. She's driving home through these empty streets after empty street after empty street. And when she stops at the stop sign and there's this car that's just parked at the stop sign, still playing Christmas carols, which is really creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see her figure it out. A movie now would have to tell you everything that everybody's thinking all the time. Yeah. Like, I see that all the time, like with, with in, in, low, in lower budget horror movies, like you, you don't have to tell me everything you could have just shown me. And there's several scenes of that. And, Okay, see, I told you that was going to be a boring thing to say. <laughs> see, this is why I'll never marry another man with kids, because they make you say boring things. <laughs> less life lessons from Doris. It does a really good job of, of just, like, showing you what's going on um, mm-hmm. without a, a, a bunch of, like, clunky exposition, which... yeah. Um, it, then there, like when there is exposition, it kind of comes out little by little at various points. Like that, that part of it is actually quite clever. Yes. Yes. We'll get into that. And I know what you're talking about. Like even them just figuring out that it's the steel that protected them. It's literally one line. Yeah. Other movies would have dwelled on that. Oh, absolutely. Right, yeah. We find out, oh, Superman can see through steel and then. Yeah. It's basically each person you meet, you're like, oh, and that's the steel thing that they were sleeping in all night. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably there before the characters are. And that's cool, too. That's mm-hmm. cool, too. Yeah. So she gets home and, you know, she's shocked to find that her sister is still alive. And, and Sam has no idea. Yeah. Sam's yeah. oblivious. She's completely oblivious. She had a fight with Doris that we saw, but then she ran away and slept in the lawn storage shed. Steel again. And she just thinks it's another Saturday morning. And she's getting ready for cheerleading practice. And she's happy and bouncing and gossiping. And she's adorable <laughs> in the scene. And, I love everything about her in the scene. a little bit in denial. like A I little mean, bit. But wouldn't you be too? I, I guess. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. The radio's playing. I'm, she's dancing to her favorite songs. and I'm just, But I love this whole scene where, where, where Regina confronts her. It's like, wake up. There's nobody. So anyway, since I was still here this morning, I thought... Hey, I'll go to pep squad practice and split after. So far, I don't know if pep squad practice is on or not. You can't get anybody on the phone. Sammy, you can't get anybody on the phone because everybody's gone. What? What you talking about, then? I swear to God. Maybe swallow my gum. There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. All right, nobody. I'm sure. Where are the kids? It's Saturday morning. Where are the goddamn kids? Yes, that line. It's Saturday morning. Where are the goddamn kids? Look at this. At what? Doris isn't at Chuck's. I'll show you Doris. Here's Doris. This is all that's left of her. This is dust. Look. Here's Chuck. Where are the kids? It's Saturday morning. Where are the goddamn kids? But it's sad, though. It really is. It really is. And I love that they made the choice that Sam doesn't have a freak out over it. Mm-hmm. She just closes the door, goes back to the kitchen, goes back to you. She's in denial. But she's like, okay, you're scaring me. You're scaring me, whatever. But she accepts it in her own way without super amounts of drama. She's super tough in her own right. I love that, too. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I've, I wanted to talk about is the music in this particularly the pop music that you hear on the radio throughout for a movie with a very small budget 
they nailed what 1984 sounds like without using 1984 pop artists. Right. Yeah. Well, except for one, right? Yeah, there's well, well there's, there's a cover of Cindy right. Lauper's uh, uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," but which is the, actually the perfect song for that particular part. Oh yeah. And no other song would have worked as well, but of course they're not going to be able to afford Cindy Lauper. But like that whole soundtrack, I love it. It's just so it's not. It's got the right amount of '80s cheese to it, but authentic yeah. '80s cheese. And it sounds like something that I would actually would have been listening to on the radio at the time. All of these songs would have been on my top forty. Oh yeah. yeah, I would have thought those were real pop songs that I just yeah. Like, well, because a lot know. of times, like many times, Elena, when we see these movies, the pop songs are questionable. Tokyo Convertible. Oh God. But that is my favorite song. <laughs> world now it's my ringtone (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness you get some like bargain basement thing that they got for free but all these songs sound like yeah they sound great i I honestly like naively thought they were real i was just like no i mean the the uh the 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 radio music is a character in and of itself which i enjoy too because it's always in complete contrast to what's going on and it wasn't grimmer this grimmer the scene the more poppy the music is that's playing underneath it, which I think is smart. And the thing that was weird with the music was, I mean, it was 80s pop, but then they also would bring in certain things where it's like, is that like a Kenny Rogers song? I mean, it was, they really hit just all, like everything you would hear from what my sister and I listened to, even some of the stuff that, you know, my mom and stepdad may have listened to where I seriously, when the credits were going. I watched all the way through it just to see who the music was by and what they got rights to. And I was just gobsmacked that it's like, Oh, they did it. Yeah. Holy and this crap. is one of those things. I just, I'm side, I'm sidebarring again a bit is that I remember when I first started the podcast, I said, I want to cover this movie because it has an important story, which I'll get to later. And it wasn't out there anywhere. Neither was chopping mall. This is back in the era where the people who made the movies had no idea anybody wanted to see them anymore. Yeah. And that soundtrack, I know, just recently got released and it keeps getting re-released and they've put it out on vinyl a few times. It's like this really hot seller for people who love this crazy little movie. And I think that's (laughs) cool that even though it's, you know, whatever, how many years later, that, you know, the silly little movie has an impact on so many people. But anyway. Yeah. No, it is cool. And all the different genres that they are able to like recreate. Very cool. And it's actually the radio is its own character in this movie as well because they're having this confrontation about how there's nobody until all of a sudden the dj starts talking on the radio there's somebody else alive so the girls go running off to the sexiest radio station in the world yeah it's like is this a sharper image catalog or is it a radio station (laughs) the thing is that this movie set the tone for what i thought radio stations were actually like until i actually went to one and it was a (laughs) shithole i was really disappointed yeah Yeah, my two experiences with like radio stations came from horror movies. I was like, okay, you either broadcast from a lighthouse or you, <laughs> you know, the fog, the fog. And then this were like, okay, yeah, those were radio stations in the eighties. That's what they were like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not some place run by chain smoking just horrible malformed people who have not seen the sun. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, some this horrible place that smells like cigars, even though a cigar has not been lit in there since 1952. Yeah. <laughs> and this is awful and depressing. So I was very disappointed the first time I went to a radio station. I was like, that I loved. I loved the WLIR, which was the alternative radio station. They're like, they're going to have the coolest radio. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to wash my hands with oven cleaner after I come home from here. Oh, God. Yeah. But yeah, but the one in the movie is um it's got like this crazy furniture like leather long weird couch thing there does not seem to be an actual office or meeting room <laughs> no <laughs> there's workout stuff because there's one scene where they cut away and they come back and there's robert Belton just doing sit-ups yeah why yeah. not now, now christopher you mentioned earlier when we were talking online that robert Beltran brought you to star trek well, my see, I always avoided all the Star Trek things. My wife, on the other hand, loves all Star Trek. So she finally convinced me when Star Trek Voyager was on that sit down and watch. And I was like, okay. And then Commander Chakotay is played by Robert Beltran. And, you know, I kind of liked him. And that hooked me finally on Star Trek. And okay. So then to see him. And the scary thing is, I swear that man does not age. I mean, he look it's like he came out of the womb like 35, 40, <laughs> just perfect hair, everything, and that's the way he's he probably still looks like that. His poor mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a little body. It was just well, oh, well okay, the, the head was the oh, head, he the looks the same. He just grew. <laughs> <laughs> he came out as a tiny adult and his body he really had to support church. his head, not, you know. <laughs> this is literally the only thing I've ever seen him in. So I was I was very happy to hear that he'd done other things. I I I've seen Star Trek Voyager. I guess I never made the connection. Yeah, he's got like a little tattoo on the side of his head. It's you know, he's watching he's cool. it this time. It bothers me that he's top built. Yeah, totally. Thank you, patriarchy. Ugh, yeah, totally not your movie. Yeah, because yeah. the you girls kick ass. Wording rule. Absolutely, absolutely. So they get to the radio station, and they discover that yeah, the DJ's talking, but it's all been pre-programmed. But there is a guy with a gun in the corner. Uh-huh. There sure is. And that would be Mr. Robert Beltran. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher, why don't you tell us about Hector? Just he's a guy from San Diego who I still didn't quite get. Oh, well, does he drive a truck? He drives a truck. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. He drives a truck and he's in LA and this happens. And just like the girls, he goes to the radio station. But then of course you have to make him very lovable because, you know, he does have a gun and he's like concerned about his abs and he's kind of that rough and tumble guy, but then he has to go back and check on his mom in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Well, they have to make him lovable too. Cause he's the possibly the only man left on the planet. Yes. <laughs> These two girls are related. It's not going to work out. <laughs> right. We're two women anyway. <laughs> At least it has to be a decent person for them, for humanity to continue. At least as far as we so, know. Yeah, they point. humanize them. And I love the scene where they're having uh, him and Catherine Mary Stewart are having some serious conversation about whatever, about the world ending. Your little sister seems to be taking this a lot better than you. That's because she doesn't know what's going on. And you do, I suppose? Whatever's going on isn't just here, it's everywhere. She thinks we're going to be rescued. That her dad's going to come back from Honduras with the goddamn Green Berets. She could be right. <sighs> Give us a break, Hector. And Miss Thing 
is on the radio playing DJ. <laughs> yes. Yes, which that's a good plot point, though. It leads us to something. Yeah, it's not just there for frivolity. It's just such a fun thing. And actually, one of the lines that she says, and this one's going out to all you Teenage Comet Zombies, Teenage Comet Zombies, original name of the movie. Really? Yeah. Ah. Yep. That's cool. Yep. I mean. Eh. I can see why they changed it. Yeah, well, it, first of all, still, not cool. all the zombies were teenagers. And they're not really zombies. No. Nah. Okay. Not exactly. Yeah. I mean, they can talk. Right. They're not dead. That's the whole thing. They're not zombies. Right. They're not dead yet. They're zombie-ish. Because yeah. what does the comet do to you? It slowly makes you evil and <laughs> makes you look like a zombie, but slowly. Or the scientific thing. Oh, wait. But yeah. only, only if you breathe in the uh, comet air. They didn't really get into that. Whether it was oh yeah, I guess it was the no, air. No, they did. They, they did. did. They did. They did. Was... You're right. They did make that point. That but no, it slowly dries you out, dries up your body fluids, and you slowly oh, get and, insane. And your eyes sink in, and you start forgetting. And... Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of like rabies. Yeah, it's kind of like rabies. We don't know that the condition is progressive. I think we've established that, Audrey. Partial protection seems to result in a slowing of the overall effect, but progression is steady in any case. Drying of the body fluids. Oh, get to the point, Oscar. We've heard this stage. a thousand times. Ultimately, what about the dust? Ultimately, there is nothing left but calcium dust. Right. So there isn't even enough hope to warrant bringing anybody back here. And then, do you eventually turn into the dust? Yeah. Yeah. That's. Okay. That's. Yeah. Eventually, right. you're gonna die, and you're, nothing's left. I thought there was like a difference between the people who were like directly hit by the comet and the people who got like the comet disease but nope, nope it's just they just got it slower they said be careful on the street because some people were exposed to the comet a little bit what happened to doris is happening to them only slower and like they're dangerous like what happened to larry mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Cause they okay. Oh, it all makes sense. Yes. You're yes. welcome. You're welcome. Because <laughs> hey, so in, in this scene, we also since she's playing on the around on the around on the radio thinking nobody's listening, it turns out somebody is listening. Who's listening? The people from the center who wear gorgeous denim jumpsuits that are nicely belted in the middle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In case you um, have to do in case, it's like Lab jumpsuits in case you have to do science at any moment. <laughs> yes. But among them is legendary cult movie actress and Broadway star Mary Warnoff. Yeah, she plays Dr. Audrey. White. Yeah, Audrey. Yeah. She, and what I love about this is the great misdirect they do with her character for 90% oh, of the time she's so on screen. Oh, good. Yes. That I, I'm one of those like people who figures out the twist like immediately, and I did not see this one coming. Yeah, it's so well put up because the thing is, this, 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 there's a whole scientific think tank which anticipated this coming, so they prepared, and there's an ultra huge underground shelter and lab and scientific thing, and they're they're rounding up survivors, and you think you're they're rounding them up for good things, but they're not. They're not. And so the whole movie, whenever they're having these science scenes, she's always in the back bitching. Like, I don't think we should bring people back here. Why don't they think the survivors? No survivors. Don't bring people back here. And you think, oh, well, she's just a pain in the ass. She's so evil. Doesn't she care about people? Yeah. It turns out, no. <laughs> she's, she's the, good the only good one. She's the only good one. Because it turns out what happened. What stupid mistake did this think tank make, kids? 
they had the ventilation system open for all their geniuses. Yep. They they inhaled the stuff, and now they are all underground, slowly turning. But because they are a, a science think tank, they are trying to come up with a serum that will either prolong their lives or maybe even cure it. Oh, cool, a serum. That's nice. What are they making it out of? Like human blood the survive the few survivors including kids oh okay so they're really bad people <laughs> very bad people they're which makes audrey nicer the other cool thing about that that underground facility that looks massive yes it's all done with process shots models they had like a hallway and a couple of rooms wow and you never really know yeah, they really create a, a space that feels very big, yeah. And just little subtle things, because there's a scene where Audrey is leaving, and you get that, like, over that shot of the whole facility, and then just something as simple as you could tell the elevator's going up. Yeah. And I know people who make these kind of movies are good filmmakers, and oftentimes they at least have those little things going for them. And that's it's little things like that that really made this movie impressive to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although I did appreciate that on the elevator, which we discovered later, <laughs> that they put like you know the floors that the elevator goes to in cool '80s science font. Yes. <laughs> so that we know it was an '80s scientific facility. <laughs> it was totally science fiction font. Totally. It made me happy. Very it their logo is like weird too. It's yeah, like, yeah. You never get a name from the organization, but it's a labyrinth. Yeah. Oh, we're back to labyrinths, Dave. See, I just called you Dave, and your name's Christopher. But Dave made a maze. Yes. Dave made a maze. Uh -huh. See, there you go. They made a maze. <laughs> it worked out better for Dave, though. Much better. Much lower body count. <laughs> yep. Then Hector takes a poignant trip back to San Diego. Uh huh. Right. Looks for his family. I was a little bit like. Don't you know what's going on, though? Because, like, then a zombie knocks at the door. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know who you are out there. And I'm like, don't you think it's probably a zombie? Like, the, yeah. um, I mean, he was the one who kind of explained to, um, yes. <laughs> to the other two, like, the whole zombie situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like one of those things tried to tear me apart. But he's like, hey. Hey, looky for you. I like kids. Yeah. Yeah. That seems ridiculous. I like it, though. I like that he shot through the door. Yeah. And missed because he expected an adult. <laughs> it's just this little kid in here. I think the thing that cracked me up most about that scene is he goes all the way home, pretty much is like, okay, I, I, my family's dead. I get a pillowcase. And what's the first thing I put in it? A trophy. All I need, all I need is this trophy. This yeah, of my so sister, the remote control, a can of soup. <laughs> It was totally that's like, it, I'm sure. That's it. Okay. And yeah. I was, yeah, it was a very strange. It was thing. a weird collection of, of stuff that he chose to keep for sure. Um, and then he escapes through the window. I love how like 100% of bathrooms in movies and TV shows have windows. Like, I don't think that many do in real life, but. If they do, I mean, mine does, but if they do, they tend to be really small. Exactly, but yeah, boy, are people lucky in the movies that they can yes. like, escape out of giant bathroom windows. Mm -hmm. Well, now you know it. If you move into a house, if you ever buy a house, Delaney, be like, I'm gonna need one with a big bathroom window <laughs> in case the zombie apocalypse happens. <laughs> right. And I'll be like, oh, we've got just the house for you. <laughs> the crazy house. <laughs>
there's another scene that I really like too. I, I just, like the tone is so light and fun that when it has those moments, it makes me happy. That when when they're not when when it switches for just a moment or two, like when the two girls are sitting on the car, and Samantha starts talking about the boy that she liked at school, and you slowly see that realization that everyone I know was dead <laughs> sink in. There was this new guy at school, Paul Morgan, and transferred from Taft, Junior. Oh, I don't hang around with juniors much. I liked him. I mean, he was from Taft, but he was nice. Kathy said he was probably going to ask me out. <laughs> Kathy. She was flunking algebra, and she was trying to figure out some way to keep her parents from finding out. <laughs> this was a really lucky break for her. Mm-hmm. And they don't go too big with it, and it gets cut off right immediately. Cut off immediately because what's the one thing teenagers in the eighties love to do? They loved going to the mall. We loved going That's to the right. fucking mall. <laughs> do you have your uh, Do you have your Mastercard on you? No. Good, cause you don't need it. The stars are open. <laughs> We're crying, but let's go to the mall. Yeah, I have one of my favorite things in all movies that make me so happy. We got a montage. <laughs> Yes, we get a shopping montage. And just imagine, I mean, you're a teenager in the 80s. Yeah, sure, it sucks. Your friends are all dead. Your family's gone. But you can go to the mall and just own it. Uh-huh. You can have whatever you want. You can dance around while you try the clothes on. Uh-huh. And I love that everything that Catherine Mary Stewart tried on was like from Lane Bryant. Like, you are not an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> There's like that one thing that Audrey, or uh, not Audrey, but uh, Regina tries on. It was like totally that, that like mirrored collar. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and like the, the beret and stuff. Like, she's looking, she looks, she looks great. She's like, she's pulling off, she's got, she's got some hideous clothes on, but looks fabulous in them. Meanwhile, <laughs> Samantha looks like a 1930s flapper. Yeah, totally. Which is exactly well, what a 16-year-old girl would probably wind up wearing. <laughs> I also I love how she's right. like, should I take this or that? And it's like the fur coat or the boa. Yeah. And <laughs> Regina's like, uh, obviously the boa because it'll stay in style longer. Well, Elena, the burden of civilization is upon them. It's yes. true. Someone's yeah. got to think of these things. They do, but I mean, I would like to point out that I think both feather boas and fur coats are kind of timeless items. So <laughs> yeah, I agree. Maybe I agree. she should have taken both. Hey, I think I think in this situation you can actually afford both. Yeah. Yeah. Except you can't because they're oh not no, alone. you can't. No, no, because they're not alone. No, they no, are there's Willie who's like today like he, he's like a little incel in and i love that he has a smoking jacket with his name on it yeah like where when he's coming he up the stairs the it's apocalypse. Like, but it's got like that 80s you know cool the cool lettering everything but yeah, yeah they are not alone and no, they are not no no and i this i love this scene too because all of a sudden it gets really scary again because those motherfuckers are scary scary noises is the worst party game ever Terrible party game. Let's play a game. 
It's called Scary Noises. Isn't that a scary noise? Want to hear it again? Gosh, the suspense is killing me. Let's do it again. An e-ticket attraction. Let's do it again. Now, wait a minute. I don't think there's really a bullet in here. No, now, see there, it's loaded. I just needed to be a little more patient. I think this is it, girls. Nobody yes. wins scary noises. Yeah, so it turns out that the stock boys used to work in the store, who I guess were downstairs in the basement, which might have had steel around them or whatever. They were protected That's from the comet just enough. So you have a bunch of boys running around the place who are slowly going mad who have now taken it over because that's what boys do i'm not crazy i just don't give a fuck yes we're gonna take it over and defend it like it's fucking lord of the flies yep and this is a funny thing too in kelly maroney who played samantha her other big movies we talked about it was chopping mall there are so many similarities in this scene between this and chopping mall there's actually dialogue that overlaps Two oh, wow. movies. She in both movies at some well, she actually it wasn't her line, but she actually says in Chopping Mall something about how her dad was a Sandinista and or worked at the Sandinistas and Yeah. And in this one, there's the same thing where they're trying to get away and they're pretending to be mannequins. It's the exact same thing happens in both movies. And it's the same mall. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you if it was the it's actual the same it's mall. It's the Galleria. There's That's only one thought, fucking yeah. mall in movies in LA in the 80s. Although I was looking for a world of almonds and they didn't have one. <laughs> in Chopping Mall, they keep showing the out, the outside of a store. It's called World of Almonds. And I was fascinated. Yes. I'm like, that's all you have is almonds. <laughs> like, yeah, how many different things can you do with an almond? Well, you're going to find out because this is the world <laughs> of almonds. The it cash is. register is almonds. You're paying almonds. The cashier is made out of almonds. It's the whole thing. But, we got um, a theme. We're sticking to it. Sorry, Elena, go. No, that um, that fight scene is pretty epic and awesome. And I do really love how... Regina pretends to be a mannequin and then shoots a guy. Hide in plain sight. <laughs> it's a good strategy. Uh-huh. I mean, there's no there's no jump scares in this movie, but that was one. <laughs> but she's like, oh, shit! It's not a mannequin. Well, and the fight scene is actually kind of interesting because, I mean, earlier, their joke, well, it's a funny line, but their dad is a military guy, and I uh, was uh, Samantha says something like the Mac 10 submachine gun is practically made for housewives. Regina said that. Yeah. Okay. Regina. I knew one of them said it. Yeah. Samantha said, see, this is the problem with these things. Daddy would have gotten us Uzis. That's right. <laughs> but the thing that was really interesting is the, like we were saying earlier, the girls are actually working together and have a strategy. Whereas the guys, I mean, yeah. Okay. They're going insane. But they're still doing what guys would do. They're just running around roughshod over this place. And they're, like, thinking tactically. And that was a thing that really struck me as a really cool thing. Because usually it's like the guy is the one who, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Uh -huh. They don't even plan. They just do it instinctively. And it was actually a, a really cool thing to see, especially for that time. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it was like Rambo time. Yeah. Yeah, but still, like, the, their actual characters don't get dropped during this point. They don't turn into some killing machine. Yeah, no, they just no. know how to survive. Yeah, exactly. They're just smart, and they're just doing what they can to, to survive. And and it's great. I love that. I just love that dichotomy that they make that work. 
because that's how people are. People are complex that you could be a totally somewhat bubble headed valley girl, but I know how to fight and think strategically. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also going to make fun of your shoes. <laughs> yes. Of if the course. gun doesn't work, I'm going after your shoes. I also just love that the bad guy's name is Willie. Like, I didn't catch that. Well, I also just realized I didn't catch the fact that his name is monogrammed on his robe. But I guess, you know, they do that in store. So I guess he could have done that himself. True. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that's no, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, where, how does, where did the like embroidery come in? Like, maybe, maybe all he, the, maybe all the, maybe all the robes said that anyway. Maybe he makes his, <laughs> maybe, you know, it was like the eyes, it was like the eyes on that's alligator. What's under this like, robe. It's a willy. Uh, where's my willy? I want to wear my willy. <laughs> or maybe he made his minions do the embroidery for him. Very possibly. Very possibly. But man, when he takes his glasses off and looks her in the face, and we've seen this makeup a couple of times now, but my God, it's so scary on him with those sunken eyes. You want us to pay for it? What? You wouldn't believe what we want from you. In your worst nightmare, you wouldn't believe. In the dark, yes. yeah, it really, it's most effective in that scene, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just looks bad. But then the, uh, the, evil, the uh, think tank shows up because they've been tracking the girls. Right. Yeah. And they, they seemingly rescue them. And they appear to. They appear to, but they, they figure out that, like, oh, well, Samantha has been complaining about itchy skin this whole time, that she's getting a rash. Yeah, so they think she's going to turn. Right. And she like is like, no, no, I get rashes all the time. Like anxiety gives me rashes. Uh-huh. I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly what she said, which is great. <laughs> which is this is why I love Samantha, is that in this particular and the performance of Kelly Maroney, is that she kind of really captured that 16-year-old meh against the world attitude without being a bitch. Yeah, she's just kind of a smartass, like in a in a lovable way. Yeah, sarcastic but cute about it, but it just works that all that is just so, but dead on, dead on. If you hang out with a 16-year-old, you can't get any sentence out of them that's not sarcastic. <laughs> and you grow out of that in a year or two, some of us. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say some of us, maybe. but <laughs> I'm yeah. only 19. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. Uh -huh. Yeah. Elena's 72 years old. <laughs> I'm old and never sarcastic. <laughs> Being sarcastic was illegal for women back in art three. In my day. Um, but when I was so wearing an apple on my head, which was in the style of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it was a bee's knees, I'll have you know. Do bees even have knees? I don't know. That's a topic for another time. But they decide, yeah. okay, they're going to take Regina back because she's apparently healthy. They're supposed to do blood tests on the spot now, but they're like, let's just take her back, and we're going to deal with this one. They leave Audrey, who we think is Negative Nancy, the villain, behind to deal with her. And in the original script, Samantha dies here. Hector's not exactly a fox, but considering what's left, he's not bad. He sounds cute. Is he coming back? Yeah, but we should wait for him at the radio station. That's where he'll go. What's that? Um, I'm gonna give you something. For what? Well, 
Your skin's been a little irritated. Yeah, a rash. It could be a rash, but it could also be something else. It's one of the main symptoms of... The comet? No. See, I always get rashes, like when I have a fight with Doris or I break up with a boyfriend. It's nerves, and you know, the way things have been going around here lately, I'm surprised I don't look like strawberry jello. <laughs> <laughs> but if I do have that stuff, this will get rid of it, right? Yeah. God, you had me worried. Don't worry. Just a pinch now. Is that it? What did you want me to do, Oscar? Take her out back and shoot her in the head. Ah. And in the actual script, I thought she was dead. Uh-huh. I'm so glad that she wasn't, though. Oh, my God, yes. Because uh, when I saw this in the movie theater, I was crushed. Because they're just having this lovely conversation. She's so happy talking to Mary Wardoff. She's about everything about silly stuff, and she's so happy to see another person. She has no idea she's being murdered. <laughs> None whatsoever. She's like, this is going to fix me, right? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, because Audrey has a syringe. And the weird thing was, I thought, okay, I mean, Audrey, that was kind of not, I mean, she... She believed that Samantha's going to die anyway, so it was kind of like, I guess it's a mercy killing. And I'm sitting there going, "Damn, that's pretty deep. That's that would have scarred me back then." Yeah, yeah, it was sad and like poignant, and you're like, "Oh, she's doing this, I guess, because she has to." But uh-huh. well. here's this other guy from the think tank watching her, and then oh, that guy, that guy's awful. Like yeah. the worst. Like the guy with the glasses is the worst. I hate him. Totally. The other guy I forgot to mention is the guy who's the head of the think tank, Jeffrey Lewis, great character actor. I think he just recently died. He was in everything. He was like the creepy photographer in X-Files. I was like, yes. that's another show my, well, yeah, actually that's another show my wife got me into. So, mm-hmm. and, it, and that was just on recently on like a rerun and I saw him and I was like, hey, that's that He's just creepy, man. That's what he did. That's what he always did. He was always creepy or comic, but creepy comic. Well, he did it well. He did it well. Yeah, rest in peace, dude. Yeah. Mary Warnoff's final scene is also devastating. So fucking well done. Oh, yeah. It makes me wish. Did you know that she was in the original company of Hurley Burley, Helena? No. Uh-huh. She was in the original cur- with Charles Durning and Madeline Kahn. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, so she was doing that whole I wish I could have seen that. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is so damn good, and she plays that whole scene, her death scene, so earnestly, where where she turns into basically creepy old exposition woman because she lays down what's really going on. Yeah. And then realize in her last moments that she was not a villain this whole time, that she was actually trying to do good things. But it's too late because she's already injected herself, and she dies. I want you to know that I thought they were talking hypothetically. So they found the first survivors, and they really did it. Some of those survivors were just kids. Hey, wait a minute. What's all this about blood? They think they can generate a serum. A serum? We were exposed. Not a lot, just enough. They left the ventilating ducts wide open, the fans going. Very scientific. Very stupid. In 36 hours, 
you will be able to vacuum up the last of them from the carpet. Hey, you know what? She was right. You are cute. And she tells it all to Hector Santa. To Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's why it's a well. In the season is Christmas time, but yeah, that's that's another little sprinkling of Christmas to yes. remind you that that's what's going on. She was right. You are cute, Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> when I yes. die, I want to die flirting. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they always say, Elena? Leave them wanting more. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing during the gun sh during the the gun battle at the shopping mall. There's a scene with there where there's just like rapid machine gun fire all over the place, and you're seeing like mannequins blow up and clothes displays get knocked over. And there's one part where they're shooting all these purses. I thought the gayest thing that I think <laughs> I've thought in a really long time was, oh no, not the Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> And then I breathed a sigh of relief because the Gucci bag did not get shot. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And then I was really embarrassed. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't replace that. You can't just pop over to the Haas of Almonds and get one from there. No, no. You, you cannot. No, you can't. The uh, nicest bag in the whole Galleria. Yeah. As yes, we go back to the think tank, and there's a whole big thing down there because you know she finds out that samantha's dead or she thinks she is you know they tell her that she's dead she kind of goes on a rampage she escapes there's some kids that they brought in yeah which uh leads to my second favorite line in the entire movie um which is the the kids are there and um they're there with or they see regina like through a doorway and the boy who's maybe like 10 years old goes cool girl huh and the little girl who's like maybe six or seven goes, if you like that type. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, even in the apocalypse, can't we be nice to each other? <laughs> we have to judge each other. And even also like the three, seven. I know, like... but it's LA. <laughs> it is LA. Yeah. Start it, them it, young. So what... We find out that not only are they bringing people back to drain their blood, that's not so bad. You know, okay, to get some blood samples from them, we make a serum from that. Is that how that works? Yeah, but they also have to be brain dead. Oh. They, they give them, like, nitrous oxide or something. Yeah, laughing gas. So they can go see Santa Claus at the North Pole. <laughs> right, exactly, but the... <laughs> The um yeah, there's again some like well done exposition where a couple of the lab workers are like, oh well, you know they are brain dead, so yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It is well done exposition because as we've established, you know, Audrey's figuring out the symptoms of all this, this, and one of the these things, and you know, as the brain is drying out, there's a loss of memory, so they have to keep reminding each other what they're doing. Yeah, right. these two scientist women that are working all over the body, so that's how we get all this exposition. Instead of them just dropping plot. Please hand me this so I can render this patient brain dead so that we can drain <laughs> yeah. all of his like, blood like we do here in the think tank. How much blood is it supposed to be? But yeah, it's like it's like the matrix, right? They're essentially just they they're just they're, um, they're there to produce blood. No, I can't remember. 
How much blood were we expected to get from these people? Uh, 300 cc's. Yes, that's it. That can't be right. If we draw 300 cc's a day, they'll expire altogether. No, I don't think so. Now that we've terminated brain functions, I mean, they're brain dead. All they can do now is manufacture blood. Well, maybe. But we aren't going to get anything like 300 cc's out of those children. No, but we will out of that teenager. I hope she's just as healthy as she looks. Boy, did you see her hair? What I'd give to have hair like that. Well, it's up to the respirators now. Why don't we prep the children? When we're finished with them, we can start on that girl. They're so cute. I love working with kids. Because they don't know how much they're going to need you. And that, that facility is enormous. We have no idea how many people are in there. So presumably, there's going to need a lot of blood. So, yeah, so they're and collecting they have no, they have, and, they're, and they're planning on doing this to the kids. Exactly. No one is spared. Nobody is not spared. even probably, the little children. They're probably even going to do it to that girl's bunny. Probably. Her little stuff bunny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the bunny, the her talisman that keeps her from getting car sick. I love that when Hector shows up to save the day. He's cowboy Hector. Howdy, partner. How you doing? Who are you? Name's Heck. Heck Goldman. Hey, them's real fine duds you got there. You a Maytag repairman? <laughs> and a cowboy, cowboy car with a cowboy accent and he even made up a fake name. I'm like, why did you go to all this trouble? His, his fake name <laughs> is just Heck. Oh, it's yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess he figures that like the scientist people know that there's another guy who went somewhere yeah, so he's yeah, like yeah. i can't sound like that guy i have to be a cowboy right because clearly they would have said he was a cowboy <laughs> if <laughs> if this guy they were talking about were a cowboy <laughs> He'll be back when the cows come home. Oh, we forgot to mention he's also a cowboy. Oh, we can't use cowboy blood. That's no good. <laughs> he's so freaking he's like, white beer. Howdy, y'all. My name's Heck, and I just moseyed on over here in my convertible. Bing! <laughs> you want to see something? <laughs> yeah, poor thing had a ride in the trunk. Poor oh, man. my God. But that's a wonderful moment. Yeah, that was such a wonderful moment. Please describe the moment. So we have Heck, who's now a cowboy drinking light beer, and he is chatting with the guy, one of the, the most outer guards of the think tank, and says, hey, you want to see something? And pretty much convinces him that, hey, I've got a girl in the trunk for you. And he opens like it. Like you do. <laughs> yeah. <that was laughs> like our like cowboys do. You know, okay. I lassoed her and I roped her up, and here she is. Let's just say, as a teenage boy in 1984, heterosexual boy, if a guy came up and was like, I got a girl in the trunk for you, as horny as I was, uh uh, no. I'm, <laughs> but no, here's this guy. He's like, like Where did you right. kidnap her from? <laughs> yeah. They open the trunk, and Samantha's there, and I'm like, Oh, God, he's using her dead body. It's and then, yeah, awful. And then what happens, Elena? Her eyes uh, flash open, and she jumps up out of the trunk. Yeah. She's dead. She ain't dead. See, this lady shot her up with sodium pentothal to make this fella think she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> it's 
so you wouldn't suck her blood out, you asshole. You can see he's and talking to me. He's like, oh, no, she ain't dead. Some lady shot her up with sodium pentothal. She comes up and grabs me. He's like, so you wouldn't suck her blood out, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it was such a good, it was just a great turn. It, it reminded you that Audrey was good. Yeah. Didn't actually kill her, but like you said, in the original script, I guess she did. Yeah. So she sure did. But that was a good that was a good twist. Yeah, I from what I I know I can't confirm this, but I heard they shot it both ways. Oh. And it didn't, well, te- and so, it didn't, it didn't test well. I'm so glad that they kept the no, version where because no. you're just so happy to have her back. Oh. She's such a wonderful character. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, and yeah. and it's just you think like oh man they killed off like you know this this awesome awesome woman and uh-huh. then t- it's such a treat to like get to have her back and to have her you know kicking ass and taking names uh-huh. and- and without if she was dead we wouldn't have had one of my like the whole when they're escaping in the car she's got a she's got like four lines in a row and everyone makes me happy like they're in the front like they're driving to escape like Samantha and and Hector are in the front like. You know, we go this way, go that way. And she's just like bitching about the radio. <laughs> Can we change this? She's like, will you please change this? I really hate this music. Give the kid the bunny, Rich. <laughs> Can I have my bunny? In a minute. Feet, feet, Uncle Hector. Uncle Hector? Hey, it's my bunny, you know. Where have you been? Can we change this? Arranging a hot for your friends. I really hate this music. What are you doing? I'm not kidding. I get car sick without my bunny. Come on, Rich. Give the kid the bunny. Yeah. <laughs> Though, like, why wouldn't she give the kid the bunny? Like, maybe Regina she, needed like, the bunny at that time. <laughs> she was like, "Listen, this is the only thing getting me through this harrowing experience. Is this bunny right now?" Because without, I need to hug it for one more minute. Without, without, without these lines about the horrible country music and the bunny, it would have just been like every other scene in every other sci-fi movie like this. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. not being, like she's not even on camera for some of them. They're just coming from the back seat. Like a teenager would be doing at this time. <laughs> like we're running away from the bad guys who want to kill us and suck out all our blood. But, but like, could you please change this terrible <laughs> song? I think it's horrible too that those women tell the kids, oh, just breathe this. And when you wake up, you're going to be in the North Pole with Santa Claus. Oh yeah. The women <laughs> that are going to turn him into like little blood bags. Like, yeah, totally. You're yeah. gonna go see Santa. Oh, that's so awful. But then it leaves that other so great terrible. joke where they're, they're they're tied up and have it like paint pretty much a post-it on their face. Yes. Going to see Santa. <laughs> Going to see Santa. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so our heroines killed those girls. All right, that's cool. Actually, technically they didn't. Yeah, they're just brain dead. No, 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 because no, they because the other scientists could have saved them. Oh, yeah. Good, but the me the creepy guy from the X Files was like, leave them. Right, and they're just lying there laughing i'm wearing sunglasses now so i'm really creepy and evil now (laughs) (laughs) it is interesting how like when people start to turn they all have to put the sunglasses well your eyes dry out Um... yeah your eyes will start to hurt that's why when they when uh, hector first encounters the girls he makes samantha move into the light he says open your eyes oh yeah again they don't spell it out I'm not smart enough for this movie. No, not I mean, no, quite. you are smart enough for this, but you haven't seen it a million times. You go, oh, that's why he asked that. That was an hour ago. Why would you remember that? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I guess I thought it was because, like, when you see the first zombie guy, 
like his eyes do kind of look weird. They're red or something. Yeah, they're yeah, they're all they're all bleached out. So, but yeah, that's one of those telltale signs. It starts in the eyes because the eyes are juicy. It makes so much sense. Uh huh. But you know, they escape. The day saved, and then we have this completely bonkers end scene. <laughs> the whole ending is just. It's wonderful. Uh, oh yeah, but, it's, it's wonderful, but bonkers. I love that yeah. that <laughs> Regina and, and Hector are now like the worst family ever. God, they look like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> they pretty much are holding these kids captive as a family. They're the parents, and they have adopted these children. And to she take has care grown. Of them. She has grown into her Lane Bryant wardrobe. She sure because all of a sudden she's a forty-year-old woman, forcing <laughs> them to take photos holding the rabbit in a football samantha we do not yeah. cross against the light we do not that i the, yeah the family photo thing was a little bit like i was like is it a special day like I, I, is it their wedding or something i thought at my first, question is who's developing the pictures they were um they were uh polaroid, they were, polaroid. Oh, were they okay never mind yeah okay but fine. it's yeah so she's like very insistent about this family photo and then, yeah, we do not cross against the lights. Uh-huh, well, because... The whole burden of civilization has fallen upon us. What are you waiting for? We're waiting for the light to change. We do not cross against the light. Are you nuts, Auntie Regina? You may as well face the facts, Samantha. The whole burden of civilization has fallen upon us. What's that supposed to mean? It means we do not cross against the light. And I love that Samantha's just watching from the sidelines. She just goes, maybe I could be a nun or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she, I have been left out of this equation. <laughs> yeah. She crosses against the light. That's totally stupid. There's nobody here. See, we're talking ghost town. And who almost hits her with a car? DMK. We don't know anything about this guy. Where's he from? What's his name? What's your name? Danny Mason Keener. Danny Mason Keener, okay? Yeah, all right. Well, just be back by midnight, okay? Midnight? The burden of civilization is on us, okay? Oh, yeah. Bitchin', isn't it? <laughs> Danny Mason Keener. Uh -huh. And we go all the way back to the Tempest thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and all the things are wrapped up. I love that they're pulling away and they're playing. And then everybody, uh... go ahead. Well, they, I mean, Regina sees the license plate that says DMK. And yeah. She kind of runs into the car, but then everybody's just like playing in the streets. Frisbee Which or also, yeah, I'm like, you're, you can play catch with a football in the middle of the street, but you can't cross against the light. Okay, listen, you don't understand what they were doing. They were like, someday somebody would have made a movie called The Room. Where they play <laughs> basketball for no reason in the streets. <laughs> So we need to like work. To, they were they were workshopping. <laughs> I get it. The script for the room that had it was never going to happen because the world ended. Yeah, everybody's everybody's dead except for the five of them: Danny Mason Keener and that guy from the room. <laughs> oh my god! So I mentioned I've been teasing for a while now that this movie has a very special place in my heart for a very special reason. I was just going to ask you about you. that. And that is because it was instrumental for me in my transition from gay teenager or, you know, scared gay kid to cool gay adult. 
I was I went to all boys high school. Not surprised. And the thing is, with going to an all boys high school, the one thing that was neat about it is that the barriers that normally go up in high school aren't there because there's no girls to impress. So you had, you know, the jocks hanging out with the geeks and stuff like that. Everything was okay because there were no girls to impress. The only thing that wasn't okay was to be gay or effeminate. So I was gay. I, you know, they smelled it on me. They're not wrong. So I got picked on a lot. And I had seen the movie and like what I saw, I saw it like four times in the theater because it was only $5 to see a movie back then. Remember those days? That that would be high for, you know, down here in Texas or even well, I lived outside okay, of you know, Chicago. It's really, not true. it's really not true because it would be two fifty for under seventeen. And then okay, yeah. two fifty for popcorn and drinks. Yeah. So it'd be five dollars to go to the movie. So that was nothing. So anyway, I'd seen the movie and I was always they the girls were my idols. Like the whole that whole dichotomy just really struck me that they had this strength to them that the world didn't see. That wasn't readily apparent. Yeah. And I was in the boys' room after school, and one of my regular bullies came in. It was just me and him. And sorry, Landon, this is going to get graphic. I was at the urinal. Oh, God, the urinal. No. Yes. And I was eating the cake. No, I was just at the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> As delicious. we do. They're salty, but delicious. But. Um, <laughs> They're marinated. <laughs> no, and he came in and started with me. He says to me, he's like, what kind of faggot opens their pants all the way to use the fucking urinal? And that was his harp for the day. He was just going to harp on that. It's pretty faggot to take your whole dick out just to use the urinal, you fucking faggot. You fucking faggot taking your whole dick out for everybody to look at. And I'm scurrying away to get out. Now he's at the urinal and I'm about to leave and it just popped into my head. Something. A little logic flaw to his argument and I turned around to him and I would never normally say anything to this guy because he was huge. I said, how would you know my dick is all the way out if you weren't looking at my dick? Faggot. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's great. Why are you standing next to me at a urinal looking to see if my pants are open all the way or not? Faggot. What a comeback. And he's huffing and puffing, and I had turned to leave, and then something else clicked in my head. And I went up behind him, and I grabbed him by the shoulders, and I shook him, 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 shook him so that he peed all over his pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I left, and I'm like, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. I just regina him and samantha him. Yes. Yeah. Regina would have stood up with him, and Samantha would have done that shit at the end. Samantha's like, I have to leave with a punchline. Totally. Yes. And that was one of those turns. They never bothered me again. That's that so awesome. Never bothered me. And you see, this is also back in the day since it was the 80s on Long Island. So everybody was kind of Guido. And this guy was super Guido. So he wore white pants all the time. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, those pants were a ruin. And I know he had some other thing to have to go back to. And he's going to have to explain why his pee's all over his pants. That was yeah. me. And I have told both Catherine, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney this story. And they're like, I love all that. And I was like, 
That is wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. W-W-R-A-S-D. <laughs> what were Regina and Samantha <laughs> It's <laughs> a good rule of thumb. That's a good rule. No, of thumb. and it was, and it, if I had not had this movie on the brain, because I was thinking about it at the time while I was paying, <laughs> then I don't think that would have happened. And I thought it was like, okay, good for that, and it never happened again. Yeah, so I have this movie great. to thank for that. So that was a cool thing. So I think that about wraps things up for Night of the Comet. I think so. I hope the world doesn't end this Christmas. That would be a real bummer. Yeah, yeah. But if it does, I hope we survive. Thank, so thank you. At least the have, cool people can have survive. an adventure. But you know, actually, totally. before we wrap up, there's just one more thing I have to take care of. Elena. Yes. We mentioned earlier your work with ASC mm-hmm. and how awesome you're doing, and and you've been doing all this other stuff too. Like you have all those. You're always asking for those donations for those unfortunate families. Elena's always always posting these Amazon lists for people who need, who've been in some kind of situation that's bad. Like these are the things they need. Could you please buy something on this Amazon list for these people? It's all the time, and you're always supporting these great causes. And the show has had a bit of a turn this year. The whole Mm -hmm. nature of the show, uh, the podcast here. And well, let's just put it to you this way, Elena Acker. Congratulations. You are the Scream Queen of the Week. Oh, my God. What an amazing honor. Yeah, congratulations. You are a person that is actively doing something to make the world a better place every damn day. And that kind of behavior needs to be rewarded, especially at times like this. Yes. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. And, of course, your prize is a tiara. Well, that's fitting for a queen. Exactly. You'll never get it. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's an, a tiara that only no, you, other screen no, queens can see yeah you win the tiara but you can't have the tiara it's like the cake and eating it too you can't have it because the tiaras are all tiaras are mine got it so but you want it <laughs> you just can't have it so can i like come enjoy over enjoy someday your, and see my tiara in enjoy your, tiara your collection. bullshit tiara <laughs> so, but no, i think you're doing great work and just for everybody who's listening I mentioned this before. Like I talked about it that episode long, like just before the potathon, that this is what we're going to be doing now. If you know somebody who has been doing this kind of thing, who, who's doing something outside of the box, like every day, then make the world a better place in these awful times. Please let me know. Even if it's you, don't be shy. Don't care about ego, none of that stuff. No, no, you're not boasting. If you're doing cool stuff, I want to know. You can also not want to do <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're setting a great example for everybody, and I love that sort of thing, and that behavior deserves to be rewarded. So congratulations, Elena. You're so cool. Thank you. Uh, I wish I hadn't beaten you so much when I was here, when we were married. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you did what you had to do. Times a, were what they were. Sure, and sometimes I did it twice on Sunday. You sure did. Okay, so Christopher, sure can you remind everybody where they can find Not About Lumberjacks? Well, because I'm not as great as Elena, but eh, I do you some cool are. Things, but you'll have your day. You know, step up. I'll, ha- I'll, I'll have my step day. Step it up. But, the bar has been set. Knock her down. No, and, and that's great. <laughs> no, I am in very good company right now because I appreciate what both of you have done. I really love that the Potathon. You know, you made not just the one 
mark you were trying to hit, but then you went to Facebook and it was like, boom, boom. So yeah, I've got a, I've got lots of cool stuff that I'll have to do. And until that day, you could go to nolumberjacks.com and hear stories that I have written, mostly narrated, and a few that I've had other people narrate as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Fantastic. Hey, ladies, got any shows coming up or anything like that? Um, nothing really coming down the pike at the moment. Um, I do want to mention that I was on an episode of the most recent uh, pod or the most recent season of the podcast Uncanny County. Oh, nice. Um, it's called okay. Wellness. Um, I think it's episode two. I might be wrong about that, but it's um, it's from their second season, season two. And I have a really fun role that I play in that. It's a narrative podcast that sort of does a Twilight zone type of thing. Sweet. Um, and um, so if you want to hear my vocal stylings, check that out. Thank you very much. Okay. Excellent. That's very cool. All right. Thank you very much for joining me for this very special holiday episode. Uh, have a great, fantastic holiday season. When the comments and shit start on Friday, just spend the night to steal. And then when everybody's gone, just continue to be awesome. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This has been a blow. things up for episode 250 another milestone has come and gone and since it might be the last episode i ever put out because we're all gonna die when the comments come tonight that seems appropriate that i'm going out going out on a nice round number there's no voicemail this time around it turns out last time when i said oh there was a bunch of voicemails sitting in there waiting for me they were actually old they were old. It was old ones from TJ, and you've already heard that one three times when I played it by mistake that one episode, so you don't need to hear that one again, that's for sure. And there's no emails, but that's okay. That's okay. You can get them in next time. But I'm giving out a homework assignment. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've done this, and it's not about watching movies this time. It's about giving back. Yeah, I know we just did this pot but this is a little something different. This is actually for Jeffrey Newman and his organization Backpacks for the Street. Remember, he was Scream Queen of the Week before the potathon went on, and his organization provides backpacks to homeless people in New York City. And it's not just a backpack. It's These backpacks are loaded with all kinds of necessary survival things. Mylar blankets, gloves, flashlights, socks, personal care items, hairbrushes, shampoo, Food, snacks, water, they are loaded with stuff. But the stuff from their backpacks don't come from the air. So they have an Amazon shopping list. If you go to backpacksforthestreet.org slash Amazon, 
that will take it to the Amazon shopping list, and you can buy individual items that they need. Plain and simple. I just bought $50 worth of feminine hygiene products because I noticed nobody had bought any. And let's face it, feminine hygiene products are not a luxury as the government likes to think they are a necessity. And, you know, I'm assuming when you're homeless and you need them, you have to resort to some awful things to take care of yourself properly. And not on my watch. So I urge you to please go over to backpacksforthestreet.org slash Amazon and find something that you feel cool about giving to some homeless people that really need something. All of this information will be in the show notes on the webpage. And so don't give the excuse that you didn't know that's in there. Because to be perfectly frank, this is the kind of stuff that could win you Scream Queen of the Week. I'm not baiting you with the title just to do this. I want you to do this out of the goodness of your heart. But if you know somebody that you think is worthy of the title Scream Queen of the Week, if some, you know somebody who's doing something extraordinary and good, Please let me know. It could be anything. I don't really care. It could be your niece who had a bake sale and she did it for the church. That's great. I want to know. I want to know about people who are doing things, no matter how small, that are making the world a better place to live in for the rest of us. I just want to know. Someone who just is always standing up for other people, whatever. If it's you, by all means, let me know. Don't be shy. Don't 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 play, you know, don't be bashful about the good stuff you do. I want to know. Because, you know, Facebook can only show me so many things because based on their algorithms. And Lord knows they're getting really shy with them lately. I can't find out all this stuff that you're doing on my own. I spy on you as much as I can. Lord knows. Because I'm also Santa Claus and I see you when you're sleeping and when you're – no, I don't. That's just stupid. But no. Please get in your nominations for Scream Queen of the Week. I'm dying to find out what good stuff you guys are up to. And to swing things in the totally – other direction, this is a big party weekend for Scream Queens around the world, and you need to jump on this bus before it pulls out of the station. This is a big party Scream Queens weekend because the Scream Queens drive-in is open again all weekend long. We are not just having one screening. We're trying to accommodate as many people in as many time zones with any with as many bonkers schedules as we can. So this weekend, I am screening Tales of Poe. The movie that we just talked about on the last episode with co-director Bart Mastronardi. The other director, Alan Rochelle, is going to be on the show real soon. Come see the movie that got Adrian King and Amy Steele out of retirement to work with Carolyn Williams from Dexter Chainsaw Massacre and Leslie Donaldson from Happy Birthday to Me and all these other amazing 80s scream queens plus Randy Jones from The Village People. This ain't your grandmama's. Edgar Allan Poe. This state, your seventh grade literary teachers, Edgar Allan Poe. You got you got Scream Queens galore. You got Village People. You got shirtless hunks, and you got gore, 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 gore. Get your ass to at least one of these screenings. There are three. There is one tonight, Friday night at 9 p.m. I'm hosting, and this weekend is also the debut, the debut hosting jobs of my beautiful. Usherettes. And I say that because there's that movie, My Beautiful Laundrette, and that's why I'm calling them my beautiful usherettes, even though I call you all of you, but you're all beautiful, but they're really beautiful. They're my beautiful, beautiful usherettes. So Morgan is going to be taking one tomorrow, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Tara will be taking this Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you have no excuse to miss this movie. It's an important movie by gay filmmakers Starring all of your favorite 80s Scream Queens, what more do you need to know? 9 p.m. tonight, Eastern Standard Time. 3 p.m. Saturday, Eastern Standard Time. Or Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get your ass to a screening and bring drinks, because we're going to have a drinking party as well. And if that's not enough, if you are a My Dad Wrote a Porno fan, 
on Monday. We're having my dad wrote a porno holiday episode listening party. Yeah, we're all going to get together on Zoom. We're going to hang out on camera. We are all going to have the Christmas episode releasing that day, queued up on our listening devices, and then we all hit play at the same time. We listen together. We react. There's going to be drinking games. There's going to be trivia games. There's going to be fun, 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 fun. That is 8.30 Eastern Standard Time on Zoom. My suggested cocktail is the pomegranate virgin fizz. Well, it's a pomegranate gin fizz, but since it's Belinda blinked, it's virgin. Because she tends to put the gin in her vidge whenever she can, if you listen to the show. And if you're not, you probably just throw up on yourself. But that's not the point right now. Again, look in the show notes. All this information will be in the show notes. The Amazon gift page for Backpacks for the Street. The drive-in screening times in the show notes. And the My Dad Wrote a Porno drinking listening party. Or should I say cocktail party. Cock-tail party on Monday. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. Patrick's going to be shit-faced on Tuesday. So next time, I'm going to continue my tradition of the highly inappropriate holiday episode. Because I'm going to be doing a movie that's got nothing to do with the holiday or the show. It's not horror-related. It's not Christmas-related. We're talking about a movie called Twice Upon a Time, which is a George Lucas animated feature from 1983, which has been... A source of controversy. Some of you might have seen it, but you probably saw the G-rated version. But what people don't know is that there is a PG and a PG-13 rated version. We are going to be talking about one of those versions. Which one? I'm going to leave going to leave suspense up to you. But Doug and Trey will be here. Doug Shapiro and Trey Dean. We're going to have a highly inappropriate Christmas party, and you're invited. And there will be screenings for that movie, too, since it's rare. And I think you'll love it, and we're going to have a great time. And I look forward to seeing you then. If you want to get in touch with the show, please, by all means, do. If you've got holiday wi- holiday, holiday, celebrate. If you've got holiday wishes, I said it again, holiday wishes for me or the listening audience, by all means, pick up your phone. Share them. Share them. It's the season of sharing, 917 Nope, that was my home number almost. 917-720-2047. You can call me at home if you have my number, but no, I'm not giving that out on the podcast. Are you crazy? 917-720-2047. I'm sure Flem would be happy to hear from you. If you don't want to talk to my pet gargoyle, well, then you could write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter as at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And of course, if you want to support the show, become a patron. Become a patron. Go to www.patreon.com slash Scream Queens. This is a good time to join because Trey Dean and I are getting together with Maya Murphy and we're going to be putting out the first episode of the Friday the 13th, the series monthly podcast, which is going to be available only on Patreon. And I know you don't want to miss out on that. That would be curious and not good. Instead of Curious Goods, which is the name of their store in the show. Wow, I'm really funny. Okay, so until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, happy holidays. What? I said holidays again. All right, we're fine. It's It's a day about some guy named Hal. Let's say hooray for Hal and happy holidays to all of you out there, no matter what you celebrate or who you celebrate it for. It could be Hal. It could be Jesus. Who knows? I don't know. And, of course, continue to make the world a slightly less creepy place. And never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final real baby. 
we're all going to die tonight anyway, so what's the point? Fuck it up. Let's just fuck this shit into the ground. Where's my beer? All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.